Hello and welcome everyone to this episode of Double DM Podcast, where today we talk about world building and magic in the sense of world building. And there will be hot takes. There's some fun uh, jokey statements made um, that no one was able to refute from the Double DM team yet. So I think I win. Um, <laughs> but if the podcast burns and crashes, I said what I wanted to say. <laughs> so please. Before we get into that, and before the double DM ends with episode 100, I think 19, Niels, how are you doing today? I'm doing quite fine. Have a lot to do still until I leave for mm. a vacation. But yeah, overall, good weather. Can't wait to go. So the stress is kind of worth it, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Where's your vacation going? Uh, to a small island in Greece, mm. where I haven't been in over 10 years, where I've basically all the summers in my childhood went every year. Mm. at least once in a, uh, once per year so i'm excited to see how much the place has changed or if at all or how much you remember differently from how it actually was because you were a kid exactly exactly i mean the last time i was there i was like 14 15 something mm. along those lines mm. yeah it, it will be different i guess <laughs> it has to be it, it has to yeah but when this episode airs i'm probably lying on a beach somewhere just chilling, sunbathing, and just in general trying to relax. <laughs> <laughs> I won't, because <laughs> I have to work, because I have to do stuff, because I the podcast cannot be unattended for a week without it crashing and burning. <laughs> <laughs> I have no vacation. Uh -huh. So, <laughs> <laughs> TTRPG, Niels, Niels, okay, you're on vacation on this island. Uh, you're on vacation for uh, a week, is that correct? Correct, eight days. Eight days, eight days. And do you already have any plans besides laying on a beach? No time frame or whatever, just some places that I want to visit and see how much it has changed. Mm -hmm. But other than that, just <clears throat> trying to relieve as much stress as possible. You're traveling alone or? Um, I'm traveling with my family. Uh, my family stays three weeks, but I only can stay one week because of shit, shit. I got to do and stuff I got to attend to and yeah. Shit has to be done. Exactly. Yeah. I can't wait. I can't wait. This is the first bigger vacation or a bigger vacation, I think for three years now or four years, mm -hmm. something along those lines. I was away for a weekend or so, but no longer than four days usually. Mm. So this is great. This is just great. I'm thinking about the last vacation I took. The last vacation I planned is a different one, by the way. Okay. The last vacation I planned, well, it was planned in the year 2019. Mm. But it was planned to be a vacation in July of 2020. We mm. all know why that didn't happen. But it yep. was the summer that I would have been 21 and I would have visited the USA once again with my parents. So we can go to Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> because I and my parents have been to uh, the US quite a few times uh, when I was like 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. Those years, um, we were to f we were in Florida, New York, LA, right? We were all over the place. Vegas wouldn't have been possible for my parents to visit, even though they wanted to visit again with a child that is less than 21 years old. Mm. Because what else would we be able to do there? Because I wouldn't be wouldn't have been able to go anywhere. I would have been able to just sit in the 
hotel and wait for them uh, to then go out drinking and playing a few slot machines yeah that wouldn't have been worth it so then we said okay let's do that and then april 2020 said nope no travel usa anymore period and i've never been on vacation since then i think the last vacation i actually took was like in 2019 18 i think 2018 i did a few days of um vacation somewhere i don't even know where mm. anymore <laughs> yeah i just I, i just scooched in a week of skiing vacation in february 2020 so right before everything went to shit mm. yeah but i'm excited to go yeah nice I'm excited for you to get some relaxing whatever you want to do. Relaxing vacation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, TTRPGs. Exactly. Did you have any? Because my list is pretty short. It has no entries. Wait, 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 wait. Um, we recorded... What, when did we last record? On Thursday. Well, I had one on Thursday and you, had, you also had one... Yeah. On Sunday. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, no, the, the list is short. Um, Thursday was us venturing into this um, lizard folk temple, you could say, mm -hmm. to find a shard of the demon crown, okay. or hopefully find one. And we ended it with us basically sitting in front of the ancient ruler of this society, who's maybe also a demon, or at least someone that has a pact with a demon or something, something, something. Um, Yeah, and then we played both a session of Critical Role's new system Candela Obscura Candela Obscura on Sunday which was kind of fun. It, it definitely was but I just felt stupid all the way through. But that's on me not on the system or anything else. Yeah when, when we're talking about the system right it is very much designed for the cinematic improv acting style that Critical Role has mm. right and with this And with Illuminated Worlds being the bigger system behind it, which is going to come out at whatever point, I think that there's actually something interesting to look at Critical Role because Critical Role was the biggest marketer for D&D in the last three to four years, mm. period. Hasbro and Wizards didn't even compare to what this Twitch stream and this group of people did when it comes to making this game accessible to everyone. You could say, yeah, sure, Stranger Things also played a part. Obviously they did, but... Let's be real. Critical Role brought in a new generation of TTRPGs. Yeah. And the style that Critical Role has developed, let's say after Campaign 1 and maybe Campaign 2, like Episode 30, 40-ish, was very much different from what D&D normally is, right? This yeah. very heavy roleplay, very heavy acting, very heavy production value as well, right? Let's, like, let's talk about the fucking studio they have, right? There, there's a reason they have this kind of studio, because they want to have production value behind everything they do. They want to have the most immersive possibility, most immersive way possible. Mm -hmm. And yeah, with Illuminated Worlds, let's be real, I can see a very clear future ahead where D&D does not have its biggest marketer anymore, mm -hmm. where it's just gonna lose Critical Role. And all of the fans of Critical Role that will realize that the style that they want to play, which is the style Critical Role primed, is gonna be be way better in illuminated worlds for them. Yeah, because uh, the, the way the resolution in the system worked, uh, I really liked it. it. It lended itself 
pretty well to the things that you or that we wanted to do or uh, how it is how, how it was presented i think mm -hmm. but i was just stupid <laughs> in game i but yeah the the system was great i had a, uh, had a lot of fun yeah yeah true i think mechanically speaking the game had a little bit to be desired for me there wasn't much to it but okay it was a quick start right there could be a full system behind it that is still being developed or not yet finished so i'm gonna refrain from criticizing what this actually is because it is it was fun it was a good system mm. i just would like to see more of it yeah because i think that it was a little bit lackluster for anything more than the three to four hours that we played yeah for the the one shot that we did and as a quick look how it works th therefore the quick uh, quick rules were perfectly fine but still there is a, a lot more to discover mm. especially in longer going campaigns or Mm. long play but that's basically all ttrpg stuff for me except if you count playing an exit game as a ttrpg then we did that <laughs> no i don't I'll, except you roleplayed we tried to in the first 15 minutes but then the riddles were way too hard so we stopped <laughs> <laughs> and it was again we felt pretty stupid <laughs> because on the box it said 45 to 90 minutes and we took around 120 but we had no experience with exit games whatsoever how the riddle work and or what types of riddles there could be and then we instantly plunged into a um, advanced type of riddle mm -hmm. thing and on tuesday we did an, another exit room but more suited for beginners and there <coughs> we instantly just knew what to do what to look out for and how to interpret mm -hmm. certain things which made it way way easier than before interesting because if you know how the riddles can work or in which ways the riddles interact with the materials that you are given, you definitely know what to look out for and find mm. the things way, way faster. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and there we tried, uh, and there we roleplayed a bit. So, <laughs> yes, a bit of TTRPG. I guess. Adjacent things. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. No. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't count it. I wouldn't count it. Hmm. But it doesn't have to, right? It doesn't have to be a TTRPG thing to be fun and interesting. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, wait. Yeah, I also had a session scheduled on Tuesday that a certain person forgot. And so we just didn't do the session zero we were planning to do. Right? Scheduling conflicts happen. People forget stuff. It doesn't have to be that hard. <clears throat> I don't give a damn. Just gonna have to do it next time. No, that's okay. And yeah, yeah currently there's a little bit of a um, of a low tide for TTRPGs, but I think that it's gonna turn around after you come back. Mm -hmm. Because first of all, right, I have a session on Sunday now. We both have two sessions on Sunday in two weeks, right? Which is gonna be fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh -huh. Uh -huh. One of them is a recording. One of them is not. So that should be okay yeah i have one on tuesday i think and yeah we will see if everything's we have a lot to talk about the next time we get to do a recap Niels. hell yeah and yeah right since Niels is on vacation the recap next week will not be there so because Niels is on vacation and i'm not gonna do this thing, thing alone and talk to myself hmm. except if i find someone that wants to talk to me for like 15 minutes about our weeks maybe i will find someone that will do that <laughs> with me probably some people will message me now i will do it with you don't worry you don't have to when you hear this this has already been recorded so everything <laughs> is fine <laughs> anyway <laughs> i appreciate it if people and people reach out so with that let's jump in to our episode on magic and especially why your magic is wrong hey 
Hey listener, how are you enjoying the show so far? Tell us about it in whatever way you see fit. Go to our social media pages and add us or DM us about your favorite episode of the show. We would love to hear from you on what impact our show might have had on your home games. Or you could review us on your podcast app of choice and leave us a nice message with a five-star review. And if you want to go above and beyond, bring a friend into the fold. Tell them about our show and refer us to them so they can get a piece of the pie as well. Thank you for listening to Double DM and joining us on this incredible journey. So Niels, yeah. I've been thinking about something for weeks on end now. Okay. This is a little story um, that I have to tell. And it's also kind of a promotion, you could say. One of the things is that uh, a person that I very much respect in the TTRPG space is Kaya. Mirror Lock on Twitter or wherever you uh, use social media. Writer of games like Her Odyssey and Galatea. Um, I hope I pronounced that correctly. And also creating the World Builders Almanac, which is something that is going to come out at some point. Because Kaya has an interest in world building and also to promote the World Builders Almanac. Been posting world building questions every week on Wednesday. And a lot of these questions are, right, what is this in your world? How does this work in your world? What is this? For example, question that came up yesterday on Wednesday, the 10th of May was, what is the boogeyman of your world? What is the thing in the night that parents tell their kids to, about to behave? Mm -hmm. What is the thing that people are scared of to leave their houses at night? Um, other questions were like, um, what is the primary water source of most settlements? How do these settlements keep the streets clean? Stuff like that, right? Uh, all of these mm -hmm. questions that help you understand world building and create more immersive worlds. And that's great. But I've been thinking on how I answer these questions. Because I answer these questions most of the time through with a very basic structure. Mm -hmm. And that is basically because I answer them for all of the same world. Because Min is my baby as a world. It's the world that I've been creating for several years now. And that's the world most of my fantasy games are set in. The answer boils down to, if you, if you really want to boil it down to just one word, it's always magic mm -hmm. because obviously it's fantasy magic is involved because if it's just like the real world what point is there in it being cool and fun and engaging for a ttrpg mm -hmm. i'm not saying that, it's, that it cannot be cool and engaging but i'm just saying that magic is a component that we in the real world do not have that allows us to build these amazing worlds in fantasy mm -hmm. Tech is the same for sci-fi. Tech yeah. beyond our comprehension of today. Teleportation. Speed, uh, tra travel speeds faster than light. Mm. Or other things. These technologies are just like magic. They do yeah. not exist in our real mundane world, but they allow us to create worlds that allow us to fantasize in them. Mm -hmm. To fantasize something new. Something that we can escape into. But I want to talk about exactly that. Mm -hmm. Magic, tech beyond our comprehension, and generally why we answer everything with magic. I don't know about you at least, but every time I get asked about something in my world and I don't have a very straight answer or I don't have nothing prepared, the answer goes to magic. Yeah. Magic makes it work somehow. It's a catch-all term. 
And is that good? Well, it can be because if you <laughs> boil it down to or if you just boil everything that you set down to magic, then it's very nuanced in the thing or for the things that you wanted to answer with it. And magic can be very diverse. It can do everything, basically. Just how you use the magic is the part that separates it. You could say. Yeah. And I think that that is, isn't necessarily a bad thing because mm -hmm. if it's just tech beyond our understanding how things works, basically the core of nearly every fantasy TTRPG, doing stuff that you cannot do in real life. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is a good premise for playing TTRPGs or playing mm -hmm. fantasy TTRPGs mm -hmm. because it just allows you to do weird shit. And if... If the weird shit isn't present in your world, then you can't do weird shit. Or you can do, but not to that extent. Yeah, I feel like the inclusion of magic, tech beyond our comprehension, and generally stuff that doesn't exist in the mundane world that we are living in, in the real world, is a term we will be using for now, just makes TTRPGs what they are. Exactly. If you're the type of person that likes to play, having a corporate job and doing nothing in particular other than living a life, all the power to you. I'm not here to say that that isn't part of TTRPGs because it can be. But personally, I want my TTRPGs to be something that gives me either a new perspective, uh, new things to do, generally something that gives me that component of escapism. And that component yeah. of escapism only comes if it's not the real world. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to touch on the subject really early on. Alternate history settings. Yeah. They're not real history. Mm. Right? You can play your game in a, for example, Call of Cthulhu. Plays in 1920, 1919. In the early 20th century. Mm. That's where Call of Cthulhu plays. And, and real world history is part of that. The First World War and everything that happened in the first half of the 20th century. But there are also eldritch beings beyond any human comprehension in the game. Mm. The setting is still our world, but the game you're playing, and the game is the catch-all term for everything that is part of the play experience, that is still not mundane. Mm -hmm. You might be playing an investigator that learns of these dark things, but those dark things, at least by standardized comprehension of our world today, don't exist. Hmm. Maybe they do. Maybe. But I have not seen proof. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and just the thing is, right, they allow me to explore something that I cannot physically explore in real life. Mm. I can dress up as a 1920th style investigator and walk through rural towns of America and try to investigate crimes. But I cannot physically investigate Eldritch horrors. At least yeah. I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> that is what I want to talk about. This element of something different, something new, something magical, mm. and why it is so important to TTRPGs for us. Yeah, I mean, it's basically rooted in humans a bit, I think, with always trying something new or trying to push the boundaries of things that they can imagine. It's even simpler than that. Sorry for breaking your yeah. point. But you said breaking the boundaries of imagination or whatever, right? It's simpler. Humans are imaginary, imagining creatures. Mm. We like to think about stuff. We like to imagine scenarios. We like to imagine things. Yeah. We have a fantasy. We have dreams. We have 
all of these stuff that personally, I would say, make us human. Mm. They are part of our conscience. They are part of what makes us us. And TTRPGs very much, in my opinion, play into that feeling of imagination that we all have. Exactly. Because it gives us the ability to explore all these weird things that we can imagine without physically needing it to be there. If you play a fantasy setting, any kind of medieval high fantasy with magic, you can imagine yourself throwing fireballs and calling lightning down upon your enemies, if you wish so. Mm -hmm. Which you hopefully can't do in real life throwing fireballs around with just the flick of your wrist i would hope so that can go bad real quick (laughs) (laughs) but it's just something that you cannot do in real life yeah the same thing with tech beyond what's capable today Mm -hmm. traveling faster than the speed of light isn't possible for us it's physically impossible (laughs) yeah it is believed to be just outright impossible impossible exactly well even a few theoretical uh physicists are saying there could be a possibility that it is possible. Hmm. Maybe it isn't. We're not here to say it is definitely impossible. But by current today standards, you will not be able to find something that is faster than light because light is what we need to comprehend reality. Exactly. With that, just having the ability to do that as a human being kind of entices you to do these things when you play TTRPGs. And that's what they are for. Mm -hmm. Just doing stuff that you cannot do to escape the world around you and explore something new, do something new, be someone else or be something else or just experiencing new things without physical experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I want to get back to the catch-all term magic in world building. Mm-hmm. Because I feel that, as you said, it isn't necessarily problematic to just boil everything down to, yeah, magic, that's how it works. But I feel like the answer is always unsatisfying when I give it personally Mm. to me, not just to my players. For them, it's also kind of unfulfilling. But for me personally, the answer is unfulfilling to say magic. This is why I came to this conclusion, why I want to talk about this, right? I've answered the questions that Kaya proposes on Twitter, and I'm reading way too much into the whole topic about it. But still, every time Kaya asks, the question, I ask myself, how can I combine this with magic? Because magic is not, by how I designed my world, basic part of human life. But also, it's what makes the game fun. Mm. It's what gives the game the unique charm that I want. Mm -hmm. Because it's something that's incomprehensible to me personally. I cannot comprehend how someone would actually conjure up a fireball. Even if it would be possible in real life, I couldn't comprehend it. Mm. But if it would be possible in real life, someone could explain it to me. And that is the fun of magic for me. Yeah, Because it isn't possible in real life what the magic does in TTRPGs. It allows us to make up our own explanations exactly and that's where magic sits for me yeah i don't just want to say it works with magic because that answer isn't fulfilling but do you know what answer is fulfilling saying okay it works like magic the thing the conjuring of a fireball works with magic but how Hmm. that's something that i like to or how i like to see magic in my fantasy settings is being part of one of the basic physical forces like gravity and mm-hmm. um, electricity and magnetism and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You can, everything on Earth can, or in the universe can be boiled down to one of these basic physical concepts. Yeah. And in my fantasy settings, magic is part of that. And yeah. how it interacts with the world around it, this is the reason mm-hmm. this works and how they mm-hmm. interact and how they can be manip- mm-hmm. uh, manipulated mm-hmm. to do the things that I want it to, be, uh, to do. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. as in real life, you can boil it down just to saying, yeah, it's magic or yeah, it's gravity. 
but <laughs> that doesn't do anything for me. Yeah. If you tell me, yeah, time is dilated by the gravity of an object because of blah, 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 blah. Because of the object heavy. <laughs> exactly. Eh. But if you explain to me how this works why, uh, or why the gravity influences the time, mm -hmm. this is way more interesting to me. Yeah. If you just say to me, yeah, this works because of magic. Eh. But if you say to me, yeah, this works because someone manipulates mm -hmm. basic force mm -hmm. to do certain things that influences the world around him to create the effect that you wanted to have. Mm -hmm. This is way more enticing to me mm -hmm. because I think it builds a parallel to the real world, how I view things and how I personally, personally like things. Yeah. Or like things to be explained to me mm -hmm. because that's something that we want to do with our TTRPGs, drawing parallels, but still not mm -hmm. being the same thing. I think that's exactly it. We've talked about the entire episode so far that we want our TTRPGs to not be real life, but still we as players are from real life. <laughs> mm -hmm. The magic is a component of the game or the tech beyond our comprehension, right? These natural forces that make the TTRPG something that is not real life mm -hmm. are part of the game. And for that, in the game, they are real life. So they should be treated just like we would treat the forces that dictate our life the way it does. But when you think about it, that means that you have to treat the forces in your game, the magic, just like you would treat gravity in real life. Mm -hmm. It exists and everything is influenced by it because it is ever present. At least if you want it to be ever present. Exactly. Gravity isn't necessarily ever present. That is something that you could probably debate with a <laughs> physicist for yeah. hours on end because <laughs> gravity exists everywhere. There's no real absence of gravity. The gravity is just zero at certain places. Places. Maybe, probably not, because gravity, I think, is it, un uh, is yeah, ever expanding. It gets, it gets weaker, or the gravitational force gets weaker, but it's up to a point where you it cannot be felt or measured, but it's still there. But it, it, the philosophical things, even if maybe two people just turned off the podcast <laughs> after we've said after we've had this one minute of blabbling about gravity, I want this exact discussion about magic. Yeah, I want this. To, I want magic to be a force in the games. I want magic to be something that is there, something that people, that scholars of this world are researching. Mm -hmm. Wizards in the D and D rulebook have subclasses named after schools of magic. They are supposed to be scholars. Yeah, and at least I in think, some to some degree. And I think with something or exactly what you just mentioned, in my world, there's usually some difference between being a experimental magic scholar or a theoretical uh, magic scholar. Mm -hmm. Just like in real world, like theoretical physicists and experimental physicists, for example. Yeah. One part of that does the things. They can wield spells and throw fireballs around and change the weather. The other part looks at how it exactly works, mm. how you can manipulate the things. Mm. But they necessarily not necessarily are able to cast any spells. Yeah. Because I want there to be a bit of mundane things mm. to make uh, or to elevate the unmundane things mm. in my games. If you have someone who really knows their shit about magic but cannot wield a fucking spell, <laughs> it's just amazing. He can explain to you how the sorcerer can throw a lightning-induced fireball down to every last bit of movement that goes into it. Mm -hmm. But for the love of God, cannot create it himself. Yeah. This is just amazing. But this is something interesting to talk about. Why can't he do it? And there are a number of reasons. Maybe he just didn't study the actual creation of 
the actual exactly. conjuration of it. Or maybe he's just unable to do so. Mm -hmm. And if he's unable to do so, that's what I want to talk about. Because why? If it is a force like gravity or a force like electromagnetism, why is he unable to interact with it? Because we as humans, for the forces of gravity and electromagnetism in our real world, mm -hmm. are all the same. Yeah. These forces of physics do not differentiate between us. We exist under their influence, but we can influence them on a smaller scale to our advantage. Exactly. We know how gravity works. We can manipulate it. Magic is different. At least, as Niels just said it, in his world, it's different because it is not gravity itself. Because maybe that person just is physically unable to cast a spell. Now, Niels, I want to ask you, mm -hmm. why? Why is this wizard that has studied magic his entire life unable to actually cast a spell. In my world, they usually aren't. They just didn't learn the uh, conjuration signals or the movements that are needed to go into to create uh, or to bind the power to their will. Okay. Say, But theoretically, mm -hmm. everyone is able to do that. But mm -hmm. it's a long and difficult process to learn these things yeah. in my world. So that's why most people don't. But specialized characters do. Okay. Now let's go through all the other classes in D&D. &D. Mm -hmm. Why is the sorcerer able to do it if they didn't learn the sigils? Or do they have to learn the sigils? Yeah. <laughs> because by class definition, the sorcerer has it through their bloodline. Yeah. <laughs> the warlock has it through a pact with a being. The druid has it because of an innate connection to nature itself. Which means that nature is a magical force. The implications of that are something entirely different, right? Yeah. Looking at the game you're playing needs to give you information about the world building because you either you bend the rules of the game to fit your world hmm. or you bend your world to fit the rules of the game. Yeah, it's a rabbit I'm hole. not saying <laughs> which of the two is correct. You can make that up for yourself. I have my opinion on that. And it's, by the way, it's bending the world to the rules of the game hmm. because I don't want to bend the game more than I am already doing, probably because I'm using homebrew rules. Yeah. But for example, my clerics don't need a god. They mm -hmm. just need faith. Yeah. Because faith itself is a magical force. Mm -hmm. That doesn't bend the rules of clerics, in my opinion, that much. Maybe a bit. Maybe a bit. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, but just a minor extent, I would it's say. It's a minor extent. Thinking about this, right? Mm -hmm. You said that uh, wizards need these sigils to cast spells. Why does magic in your world, Niels, treat people differently <laughs> i know the question is very much loaded like <laughs> you like to say niels yeah it's loaded <laughs> but bear with me mm -hmm. because i think this is happening in a lot of different worlds because hey wizards are supposed to have studied magic and we all know the DD memes of people saying wizards have to study magic for three years and then just some random dude comes along that made a pact with an archfair that can cast the spell as well and the wizard goes what the fuck why didn't i do that right mm -hmm. we know the memes but let's actually talk about it. Because magic, as Niels and I said before in this episode, should function like a natural force like gravity and electromagnetism. Yeah. But if that is the proposition, every every character in the game needs to be able to interact with magic in the same way. We're basically disputing ourselves now, just 20 minutes later. Yeah. It cannot. It just cannot work that way. At least in games like D&D and Pathfinder and probably most other fantasy games. Because everyone bends magic in their own way. But that's not how gravity or electromagnetism in the real world work. So it cannot be a force of nature. Mm. It needs to be something else. So what is it? <laughs> to be honest, I haven't really thought about that in my, for my Thank world. Thank you. 
<laughs> wow, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. See, what I'm doing right now mm -hmm. is not trying to dispute Niels and say his world is shit, or even anyone out there looking at their worlds now and thinking, oh fuck, he's right, or even, oh fuck, he's wrong, doesn't matter. I'm not trying to be antagonistic and start a discussion with you here about this and saying your world is shit, because I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I care about my worlds. Yeah. You care about your worlds. And that's exactly. all I need to care about. You care about your worlds and you want them to feel like... So you want them to support the game you want to play. And that's when when they do that, that's fine. You don't need to think about it more. But think about magic more. <laughs> I sound so dumb right now. I, 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 I know it. Please, but, but, no but one I, has to point this out. But I know what you mean. Thinking about world building. Something that I've recently ha saw on Twitter, a take that I've really liked is that... Um, I don't want to talk about it too much because the take was very short and concise and was about something only similar to this and not actually the topic I want to talk about. So I'm not mm. going to really go deep into it. But basically, world building isn't something you just do. That's all I will say. <laughs> okay, yeah. Because if you just do world building, you're going to make, and the word is loaded, people, mistakes. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying Niels made a mistake saying that you need magic sigils to cast a spell and then me just being able to say, what about the sorcerer? Do they need to learn these same magic sigils? Because their class says they don't. Even Niels can say they have to in my world. Mm -hmm. Niels can do that, period. But the game itself and Niels just answered, no, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> But that's a world building thing you've done that doesn't hold up to how the game actually works in your world or how mm -hmm. magic actually works in your world. Yeah. So you refuted yourself. And that's because you've world built it without actually thinking about it. You thought, mm -hmm. this was cool. I want to do this. I like magic. Like Niels probably thought, I I'm assuming here, please tell me if I'm wrong. Niels thought, boah, magic sigils are so fucking cool. I want the wizards to draw these magic sigils in the air and then cast a fireball from that. Something along those lines. And yeah. then I come <laughs> along and say, I'm playing a sorcerer do i also have to draw these scissors and Niels goes like hmm no Good point actually about that hmm <laughs> Yeah. So magic isn't a force of nature because if it would be, Cannot at least be. by the de by the yeah. definition, it has to work for everyone the same. What about the barbarian? Why can't they perfectly match the, sig the sigils the wizard draws and cast the same spell? Mm -hmm. Why mm -hmm. can they not? Niels, <laughs> have you thought about that? And if not, answer me still the question. Why can't they? Make up one now. That This is the thought exercise. Make up an answer now. It doesn't have to be the correct answer for your world. You can obviously think about that later mm -hmm. on again. But I would say that because they didn't have any or don't have any way to interact with with it okay like kind of being able to manipulate the force of magic mm -hmm. you need some sort of tool however okay. that tool may look you need something to interact <clears throat> with it. you need to have a key to magic exactly. it's like yeah cool electromagnetism is there and it interacts with you mm -hmm. but you cannot directly interact with it without your proper tools in your real in real life mm -hmm. and i think the same goes for magic in my world mm -hmm. that would be the answer in my in my head now mm -hmm. depending on what type of class you are wizards have created some sort of sigils that can interact with the magic force sorcerers have some sort of maybe element or molecule mm -hmm. or something along those lines mm -hmm. in their bloodline that lets them interact with it mm -hmm. warlocks have it through a pact and the mm -hmm. connection of nature they they just give you different tools to interact with the force of <laughs> magic <laughs> I just <laughs> I thought of the worst fucking thing to say. Oh, I'm fuck. sorry. Go ahead. So your magic is the force from the prequels of Star Wars. 
<laughs> the worst part of world building ever put on big screen. That's how magic works in most people's fantasy settings. Question mark. <laughs> Do people really want that? Asking for sure now. Do people want that? Your magic is the force from Star Wars. And not from the not from the originals, but from the prequels. Because your magic differentiates between people. Some people have more magical force than others. Some have none. Give me a better explanation for that other than tiny microorganisms that decide whatever the fuck they want. <laughs> Give me a better explanation. I will wait. <laughs> um... Now that I've made myself a thousand enemies and more, let's rail it back. <laughs> Your magic doesn't have to be the force from Star Wars. You can actually make it cool and fun. Thank I'm not going to tell you how. I'm not going to tell you how because that's on you. If you mm -hmm. want to make that work, do the work. But you don't also, you don't have to. You can just say my magic works the way it wants to because it's magic. You can boil everything down to it's magic. That's why. You don't have to explain it any further. And that's where this episode came from, right? I at the same time hate the answer, but use it way too often to actually really hate it. Hmm. Yeah, I get what you it's mean. It's magic. Period. It's fantasy. That's why it works. Now, you asshole, you just sparked thoughts. And I okay. cannot, I will not be able to stop thinking about them, how my magic works. Um... But that's exactly what I want to do. Because Yeah. this is what I think is the beauty of world building. It's not about explaining things how they work. It's about thinking. The, the beauty in world building is not the explanation of things. It's the thought process of mm. how do these things actually work. And not just, yeah, magic works because people draw sigils in the air. That's an easy answer. And it's not even the false answer. It's an easy, simple answer that works. But if you think about it, and if you want to think about it, you can think of a thousand different explanations. And those possibilities, those thousand different explanations of which the magic sigils is just one of many. Mm. That's the beauty of world building. That's where the fun comes in. Not the actual having an answer to everything. That's boring as fuck because then you have one answer. And let's be real, only having one answer is fucking boring. Mm. And that's exactly where how I did my magic comes in. And I know this sounds full of myself as fuck that my magic works better than everyone else's. My magic works in ways that are just physically unexplainable to people. Mm. It's a fucking easy answer. I know. <laughs> But it's the one that works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For example, my wizards also have to learn arcane sigils, like Nils's do. But I made the easy adjustment to say every person has to make their own sigils. Ooh, so the yeah, sigils like of that. one wizard do not work for the barbarian because the barbarian has a different way to interact with the magic force of nature. I will steal that. <laughs> Even if you don't like it, this is now part of my world. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> totally fine. I am here to present something so people can steal it and make it their own. But this is obviously also an easy cop-out because everything is an easy cop-out because magic is unexplainable to us humans. Exactly. Period. We cannot, you cannot physically explain how flames get conjured. Niels is a chemist. Niels, tell me what is needed for a flame to happen. In general, just oxygen in any way or shape or form and energy. You need energy. Yeah. Energy cannot be created from nothingness, right? Yeah, it just can be converted. How And do these flames exist? The answer is magic. That answer doesn't work in the real world. It doesn't work exactly. for humans. It doesn't work for you as a person. It cannot. Yeah. <laughs> But it works in the game because we just want to play. <laughs> Again, it's as in every episode of Double DM, it's if you want to think about it, please do. But if you ever say to yourself for every topic that we discuss here in Double DM, that's too complicated for me. I don't want to think about that. I think my answer is 
fine. Do not think that we want you to do anything. We are just here to present discussions and fun talks for you to listen to and maybe get a few ideas or two. Yeah, but one thing that I want to touch on that you just mentioned is something being unexplainable or incomprehensible. Okay. Like, uh, for example, the old ones in Call of Cthulhu or yeah. whatever. These are things that aren't really, that you cannot completely understand because of the reasons that we just mentioned. By they design, are, don't exist. Un, yeah. But how do you then explain the things or <laughs> um, describe it? Because mm -hmm. I think, for example, the Call of Cthulhu or the Cthulhu world, mythos, mm -hmm. whatever, there are things that aren't, or it is described in books and whatever, that humans are not able to really comprehend what is going on. Mm -hmm. But how can you convey that, what is still going on to your players? Mm-hmm. Do you have an idea how you or how would you do it? How I do it is very simple. My first sentence is always the same. You cannot really comprehend it because mm -hmm. that gives my players an idea that this information I am giving you is the best way your character is explaining the things to themselves that you're mm -hmm. currently comprehending. But just be in mind that this is actually just uncomprehensible for your character. Yeah. Even if I tell you this monster has a lot of teeth, that information isn't necessarily correct. Yeah. It <laughs> but it's also not wrong. Mm -hmm. It's just there. It's what yeah. you are currently, what you're able to conceive, but you're never going to be able to grasp the problem full. And then I describe it. And the way I do my descriptions, the way I do my descriptions in general for TTRPGs is, I don't know if Niels noticed this when playing at my tables. Maybe he did, maybe he doesn't. And if now, uh, maybe he can see the beauty of what I do. Because if I describe something, I try my best to, with the way I'm talking, with the way I use words, with the way I use my body language, I basically tune everything in on the feeling I want that is conveyed. Yeah, yeah, it, it shows, it shows. If something is incomprehensible, I am going to use words that contradict each other. I'm going to make sentences, complete sentences that do not make any grammatical sense because mm -hmm. the situation you're in cannot make sense. Yeah. And if all I convey to you doesn't make sense, you get the exact feeling that your character is supposed to feel as a player. Because if I tell you this creature is both light and darkness at the same time, mm -hmm. Niels has no way of understanding what I just said. Niels knows what is light. Niels knows and what is darkness. But he exactly. doesn't know what a creature that is supposed to be that is both. And everything that you just said after it's incomprehensible to you is then just a rough approximation of the thing that you are actually mm -hmm. seeing. Because you yourself as a player can't see the thing because it's all yeah. in your head. Yeah. And then describe something that isn't there. Hmm, cool. Uh, that can be tough. It's like describe a, the taste of a strawberry without saying it tastes like strawberries. <laughs> sure, you can say it's kind of sweet, maybe a little bit acidic. If it's that's all no. of conditional. That's that's a conditional it's, description. It's just an, a rough approximation of how a strawberry tastes. And one of the fun things is it. talk about the incomprehensible. If 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 Neil says describe the taste of a strawberry without saying it tastes like a strawberry, and I say it's kind of sweet, then Neil goes okay. Describe it to someone that has never tasted anything sweet. Exactly. Or you can go even further and say, describe the color blue. That's a that's <laughs> that's a meme, right? Everyone has done that once in their life, I feel like. Why do we know that the color blue is blue? Exactly. We just see it as what it is. It's blue. And we've just taken it for a fact that it's blue. What if someone says no? <laughs> Exactly. The best thing you can do in that instance is just not interact with them because they're probably a troll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, but exactly that. And what I like to do in those circumstances is draw parallels to things that you can describe. When Mm -hmm. I have something that I want to describe to my players that is incomprehensible to them, I like to engage as much senses that I can in that feeling or in that situation. Mm -hmm. I like to describe what they see, what they hear, what they feel, what they smell with analogies of the things that my players and or the characters know already. That this sounds something along those lines of, uh, for example, our Curse of Strahd campaign, the movement of this Conqueror creature. It sounds like just cracking bones. Mm -hmm. I mean, it sounds like uh, cracking bones, but are... Is it due to cracking bones or how or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. You don't know. You just know what your character Mm -hmm. senses and draws analogies Mm -hmm. or draws parallel lines to things that you can Mm -hmm. compare it to. Because if you can't comprehend something, you try to compare it to something else that you can understand Mm -hmm. and therefore create a better picture of it as a whole. And this Mm -hmm. is something that I try in my games to create the possibility for my players to create their own picture. Because especially in those weird circumstances where the things that they are experiencing are Mm -hmm. incomprehensible, Mm -hmm. I think it's even more important than anywhere else in a game Mm -hmm. that everyone makes up their own picture of the thing Mm -hmm. because it's different for everybody else. Mm -hmm. Because everyone has a different perception of the things that you're experiencing currently mm-hmm. and how their brain just connects these things and f- mm-hmm. creates their own version mm-hmm. of it mm-hmm. is way more beneficial than just saying how something is. But that's a powerful tool that you should use as a GM. Exactly. If you know how the way you are describing things connect with the players and what that means for them, you have a powerful tool at hand. Mm-hmm. A very powerful tool that you can use to your advantage in these moments of describing something magical, fantastical, something uncomprehensible, something that is not by the world's, by the real world standards. Because you have to use real words. You have to use real world words to describe something that is not real. Exactly. That can already be a little bit of a challenge. But if you know how to, for example, the the movement of a creature that by all definitions is not real, has cracking sounds every time it moves. You can say it moves it sounds like cracking bones because that gives every player an idea of a cracking bone sound in their head. Mm-hmm. And then you can work with that. You hear the sound of cracking bones, but it doesn't sound so human anymore. And then you can play with that sound that the players have in their head now. Mm-hmm. You can give that more attributes. It sounds like old bones cracking. Bones that have long withstood the test of time. Maybe it sounds like bones that have been rebuilt thousand times over because this Concorac is stealing life force from people. Mm-hmm. Maybe it sounds like the cracking bones of children. Small, fragile bones. Because this Concorac obviously feasts on children because they have the most life energy left in them mm-hmm. it's not just cracking bones because it's that way, alone is simple it's way more than that but you can play so much with just the saying of a cracking bone you can go mm-hmm. into a thousand different directions thousand different possibilities for you to make that one single description even more evocative of feelings yeah exactly that use the descriptions to invoke feelings for the things that the players cannot comprehend because Because the connection between description, feeling, and the thing makes it incomprehensible but understandable in some way. You have to try your best to make the incomprehensible understandable to your players. But leave room for imagination. Leave room for the incomprehensibility 
of something. If you try to explain Cthulhu away, you take away what makes Cthulhu scary. If you try to explain magic away, you take away what makes magic magic. Mm -hmm. Something unexplainable. That is why the Medichlorians in Star Wars are so bad. Not because yep. there's some kind of cop-out bad uh, definition that any fifth grader would have come up with. That's not the reason they're bad. They are bad because they explain something that should have never been explained. At least mm -hmm. that's why I think they are bad. Because they explain something that shouldn't have been explained. And you can, however, explain magic further than it's just magic. You just have to be smart about it to explain it in a way that still leaves a lot of room for it to be magic. For mm -hmm. example, my world's. Min uses looking at the way your worlds were created or the creation mythos of them helps. It's something mm -hmm. that is probably not going to come up in your games ever because it's just something that you needed for the world to exist. You needed a reason for it to exist. So it exists now, but right, what is the explanation? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But for example, Min was created as a playground for something that is for some beings that are called archons in my worlds. That's at least the name they have on the metaphysical level. So I have a word to call them. <laughs> <laughs> These beings cannot be categorized into gods, demons, fae, but they are the forebearers of these beings. And these archons created a world together that they could use as a playground for their creations. So they could create stuff and they created. They created mortals, they created water, they created elements through their powers. Their powers aren't magic. Their powers are just their powers. Mm. And these archons are mystical beings that cannot be explained like Cthulhu. So I don't try to explain them. That's all I have about them. They're archons, they're the creators, boom. And then there is this part about they realize that their creations have life. They're not just puppets to play with. The humans, the dwarves, the elves exist. Mm -hmm. They have consciousnesses. They have lives. Let's do not interfere with these anymore. So they all signed more or less a mystical, magical contract. Or at least some of them did. The others that didn't want to were locked away in a big war to start star constellations beyond the world. This is a lot of information. If one of my players has, is listening to this and has now gotten some information about our campaign, fuck you, please forget it. Um, <laughs> and then these archons retreated to their separate realms. They said, we're not going to play with this world anymore. And these archons mm -hmm. split up into different groups. I think nine groups or eight groups in particular. Mm -hmm. And these eight groups became the gods, the fae, the demons, the beasts, which are basically magical nature spirits, the force of peace itself, shadow um, sinners, which are basically the neutral evil portion of the um, of the alignment chart for me, and devils. Mm -hmm. Those creatures, exactly those. Yeah, nine creatures for nine alignments. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and then gods came along, and then fae came along, and demons came along, and they developed from these archons that retreated to their own realms. The archons, in their immense power, made a contract to never play with men again. The gods, demons, and fae, they don't have, they haven't signed the contract. They are allowed to play, but they do not have the power to actually change the world. Mm -hmm. necessarily to the extent that the archons do. But now, the fun thing is, how does this play with magic in my world? Well, these archons have power, immense power. And when they left, they, their creations to their own devices, they also left a lot of magic around, basically. Mm -hmm. A lot of, lot of energy. And that energy mixed together between all of these different realms. Demonic, and what by today's standard in the world is demonic energy, godly energy, beast energy, and stuff like that, right? All mixed together to form a force of chaos that everyone can interact with the way they want to. It's a force of physics. It's a force of nature. But only those that have a special capability 
ability to manipulate it can create magic. And that's how magic works in my world. <laughs> and you see, this is an explanation for magic. This is how magic works. And it's a satisfying information, at least for me and my players, but at least so much room to say, yeah, sorcerers work like this. Wizards work like this. Druids work like this. Hmm. But it's an explanation that works for everyone. And it's satisfying enough to say, yeah, that's magic. That makes sense. That's cool. And this is exactly what you should aim for, in my opinion. Or not necessarily, actually, don't. Don't aim for this. Don't try to aim to explain something enough. Just explain it enough until you're really satisfied with yourself. Hmm. And then you have your what you want to explain. You don't have to go further, except if someone asks you. Then you can go further. Then you can develop something. But you don't have to. You have your explanation. It's more than, yeah, it's magic. It just works. It leaves the element of magic to magic, but it actually gives you an understanding of magic at the yeah. same time. And that is exactly the sweet spot where you want to be for most world building for a game that works on basis that are not explainable by our real world yeah. standard. Don't explain it, make it understandable. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So yeah, with that, I don't have anything else. I, I, I think I've said what I wanted to say. I think I've been very satisfied with what we've talked about. Right? I've been thinking about um, the answer it's just magic it works it's boring mm -hmm. and i've talked with you a bit about it uh, and got my point across i think what i what i was thinking about and brought it to a point for people to maybe use hopefully at least uh, if you have nothing else then thank you all for listening and here on the next one bye 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 thank you for listening to this episode of double dm it appears you like this one what we had to say and our advice helped you why not show us how we helped you in a rating? Or even write a review detailing us how we helped. You can do this on the platform that you are listening on right now. It's just a few clicks, doesn't take long, and helps us out. It gets us out there and our advice into more ears of more people. Thanks again for listening and joining us on this amazing journey. Have a great day and see you on the next one. Bye bye.